Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Marcus and Melina De La Cruz. We hope that you'll be blessed by today's message. Take up your Bible. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what my Bible says I can do. Today, I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I will never be the same again. I'm about ready to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living, powerful Word of God and in my heart, and I will never be the same. Hallelujah. Um, well, I, I, I'm, you know, every time I come up to this pulpit, I'm always excited to either teach, preach, uh, flow with spirit, just let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. Amen. And so um, as, as, I, as I was getting ready for this service this uh, afternoon, um, some things of, uh, you know, we, Pastor Molina, Pastor Molina, I were talking about, and you know how sometimes will some, sometimes will just get highlighted to themselves, just even in the discussion, you know, there's things in your life that God wants you to, wants to happen in your life, but sometimes they won't happen until you start talking about them. Yeah. It's important to start talking about some things that you're expecting God to see God and move in your life. And I'm not talking about in a way that's, it, it, it's in the tone of doubt either. You know, we got to be really careful how we are speaking yeah. in regards to what God is doing in our lives. Yeah. You know, you, you, if you're talking like, well, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I'm just believing God. Well, uh, I mean, you know, God can't really work with a lot yeah. with that kind of talking. Right. Right. Well, I just, you know, we're believing, but we just don't, we just haven't seen it yet. Well, you know, there's a problem with that. And how many know where the problem lies? It, it just lies just beneath the nose. Right. It, it, it's going on in the talking, right? Can, do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Mark 11 is a good chapter. Yeah. Many a men and women have gotten set free in Mark chapter 11. People have been healed under Mark chapter 11. People have been delivered. People, people have gone to the other side over in Mark chapter 11. People have gotten over on depression over in Mark 11. People who were broke got into their finances over in Mark 11. People who are on the deathbed of affliction got, got over and over onto Mark chapter 11. Because there's so much in Mark 11. You can say, all that in Mark 11? Oh yeah, all that in Mark 11. That's why when it comes to faith, you just can't you just, can't just gloss over things. Too many people are glossing over things. They just read it and hear it a nice story. No, this is not a nice story. This is a, this is a fact. Amen. A fact. And, and, if, and unless you grab a hold of things and start treating them as fact, not fiction... Not just, oh, that's a good story that happens. No, it will happen for you. Yeah, yeah. Pastor, got, Pastor Malina just quoted the scripture. She just said that Jesus was made, uh, was made poor so that you would be made rich. Yeah. That, you, that you might be made rich. Why is it a might, not a for surety? Well, because it all depends on your, on your cooperation. Right. Heaven can do nothing without your cooperation. Right. If you notice here, that's why it says in order for heaven to move, he says, you must say to this mountain. The scripture didn't say, I will move these mountains for you. It says, these mountains will move as a result of you obeying and speaking unto these situations. Yeah. See, we're, we're waiting for God to do something, but really what we're, wait, what, what we're waiting on is, is the word command, and the word make, command already came, and therefore, since the word command came, all we need to do now is respond. Yeah. Right. If, we're, if we're just sitting there and just not responding, yeah. waiting for God to do something, we're in the error. Yeah. We're in the wrong. We're the ones making the, mis the mistake. Well, I just don't know why I just, I'm, well, I'm believing. I'm just, doesn't God just, isn't that enough? No, because the command was to say, yeah. the command was to speak. Yeah. 
And you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't like, you cannot be like white man speak with forked tongue. Yeah. <laughs> like the Indians, the man speak with forked tongue. You, no, you've got to say what you're going to say when it comes to the word. Yes, that's right. In other words, you're just going to come in agreement with what the word says regarding your situation. Are you healed? Well, I'm, you know, I hope so. You know, I got a rare condition. I mean, your words are either going to make you or break you. Either you believe or you don't believe. And here, sometimes we, we get down to the, really gets down to brass tacks. Are we going to make the changes necessary for God to move in our lives? And sometimes we have got to get to the point, yes, I, I will do what is necessary in order for God's word to work in my life. So over here in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, uh, Jesus said, said and, and under the great uh, lessons of faith, Jesus is rebuking the fig tree. He's giving them a, an example of faith, how you use your words. And then they asked him, so, uh, and they asked Jesus, uh, Lord, uh, look at the withered tree. And, they, and he said to them, have faith in God. He says, you want things to start happening in your life, you're going to have to start having faith in God. Before you start speaking, you're going to have to start having faith in God. Right. I, want, I just kind of felt like that's important just to stop right Because a lot of folks are just waiting for something, God, to do something. When God says, I'm waiting for you to have faith. Yeah. I'm waiting for you to believe. Yeah. It's not all, all on me. It's on you but believe in me. Yeah. So when are you going to start having faith in God? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's the pastor has faith. The church has faith. We all believe the same. No, I, we assume that we all believe the same thing at church. Well, you know, I go to the river church. We all believe this. Do we all believe that? You'd be surprised what people believe. Just because they go to the river church doesn't mean they all believe the word. It doesn't mean they all believe that they should speak on this mountains. Well, I, oh, I heard Pastor talk about that, but you know, that's just not uh, as sophisticated for me. You know, I'm, I'm a more, I'm a mature person. I tend to be more quiet. You know, either you're going to do the word or make a bunch of excuses. Either you're going to do the word or, or, or just be for real or stop being fake. God don't God God shows no pleasure in being fake. I don't want to be a fake Christian. I, I want to be the real deal. I want to be a straight shooter. When I when I give you my word, my word is my bond. If I said I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something. And a lot of reason why a lot of things don't happen to people is because they don't know how to keep the word. They don't know how to be on time. They they they, they, they give no regard in, 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 as it pertains to their character. And God yet God says have faith in God. How can you have faith in God if you have no character? How can you have faith in God if you're just kind of just doing milling around, just doing what you want to do, living how you want to live, watching what you want to live, uh, living how you, what you want to watch, eat, eat what you want to eat, drink what you want to drink, sleep whoever you want to sleep with? Oh, don't, don't, don't look at me that way because there ain't nobody here that I'm picking on. I'm just, I'm just telling. I'm preaching. Yeah. I'm preaching the word, yes. and the pre and the preaching of the word ought to do something to set you free. It ought to set you free. It ought to say, you know what? I'm raising the standards of my life. I'm raising the standard. And not everybody can ride your boat when they're not going to raise the standard. You know, there's some people, you know, if they hung out with you and they never took a shower, you're like, I mean, I like you, but you don't hang out. You don't take a shower. There's only so far I'm going to drive in the car with you. At some point, we're going to, you know, we're going to have to go do different, two different ways. Right, ladies, if you're going out with a guy and he don't, he don't he show up on a date, wore the same clothes the last time, didn't brush his teeth, didn't, didn't even take a shower, he'd be like, was there anything in my, in the, the, that said to me, to, said to you that I wasn't worth that effort of taking a shower? Right. Yeah. No, what you would say is, what happened? There was no effort. Yeah. 
And yet God is wanting us to raise a standard. He's wanting us to pick up the pace. He, because what does he do? Because he's got something for us. And right now he's requiring of you and I is to have faith in God. And that means if we're, have, if we're low on faith, that means we have to increase our faith. You can't come in with this just same simple believing. Well, I believe in Jesus. Yep, that's good. You have simple faith. You believe God that he saved you. Great. But you're not supposed to just say there at simple faith. Your, your faith is to grow and, and grow in trust in him. Grow that he will take care of you. Yeah. Grow and trust that he will be the healer of you. Yeah. Grow and trust in him that, that when he says his word in his word, it's true. It's settled in your heart and you no longer have to sit there and, and doubt it and, and, and debate it in your heart. Because if you're sitting there and well, I'm just going to prove this Bible stuff is wrong. You're, you already have faith for that. Your faith is working that it ain't going to work for you. So guess what it's going to, what it's going to produce? Faith expects nothing gets exactly what it says. It gets nothing. Faith expects nothing gets nothing. Well, I'm going to prove it doesn't work. You're right. You'll, you, it'll, you'll prove that faith doesn't work for you because you've already come in with the expectation that it will not work for you. So your faith did work. That it produced nothing for you. And yet God says have faith. Have faith and have, not just have faith, but have the God kind of faith. Because the God kind of faith will help you. And over here in verse 23, he says, Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Say, come to pass. See, God wants your words to come to pass. If he didn't want your words to come to pass, he wouldn't have told you. He wouldn't have just said it. Very, he could have just said, you know, this is only for the certain elite group. Only the people who are, who are the, the people that are the core group at the River Church. You know, they're only like for people like Pedro or Alexa or, or Joel, Joel or, you know, all the ones who show up or, or, or you know, just the certain, just certain select group. Because, you know, God doesn't choose them that way. He doesn't. He chooses the ones that are just are willing. All you have to do is just raise your hand and say, I'm willing. I'm willing to say unto that mountain. I'm willing to commit to God. I'm willing to do what the word of God says in order to see my life change. See, when we become willing, God is able to move in your life. But he can't move in your life if you're not willing. No, it goes that way in every relationship. Right, ladies, men, women, you're not willing to go out with a man if he's not willing to show himself interested. Well, I like him, but he's just, he's like, uh, I got, I got to go to work early. I'm going to go drop you off. He drops you off and he goes out and hangs out with his friends because there's very little interest. Because I want you to meet my family. He goes, ah, uh, you know, I think I got a lot going on this couple weeks, eh, maybe a couple a year from now. I got a real full schedule. I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. All of a sudden his, his, his interest gets into other things. I would, but you know, I got a golf tournament. You got to be hanging out with the boys. You know, it's really important that we, you know, hang out. No, what are, where is the interest? You want your faith to work, but where is the interest in showing that your faith can work? Where's the commitment? You'll show up to the gym, you'll work out, you'll pump out, you'll kind of, you know, do little poses in front of the mirror while the girls are watching. You know, you'll do what you, me, you know, it's a little bit different. There's somewhere there's abs in there. Somewhere inside you, there's faith on the inside of you. Come on, where you flex that faith and people are like, whoa, that that guy's got Bible faith. Oh, another miracle. 
Oh, what? God showed up this time on earth. Yes, when that guy shows up, demons seem to scatter. Yes. Come on. Am I helping anybody? I don't know about you, but I'm helping myself because I'm telling you, the more I've learned to trust God, the more I see God coming through. I, you know, I'm done with being depressed. I'm tired of being sad. I don't know. A long time ago, I just got tired of being tired. You just got to get tired of being tired. You got to get tired of just losing. You got to get tired of just your faith not working. You got to get tired of just, just coming to church and not seeing any change. I don't know about you. Years ago, I got tired of just seeing my faith not work. In fact, I didn't even know faith could work. In fact, I heard people talk about faith. I always thought of it was like some pink elephant in the room that you just, everybody just, just trying to grab the pink elephant and the pink elephant just kept moving, floating away. You get close and just float away. Faith is not like that. You can lay a hold of faith, see your faith work, get, grab a hold of some miracles, start seeing your life change. And many of you have had so many miracles, you've really got no, you don't even got an excuse not to believe God anymore. You've got no excuse to be going doing things half-heartedly. Yeah. One thing I love about our, our, my, my, my son's coach, uh, Coach Blackwell, you know, he's, he, he's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, I don't know, he's a cannonball. He just, boom, just goes out there and hits it. Boom, he just goes out there and shoots. He just, you know, just supposed to be slowing down after he had a heat stroke, fell face first. What's he doing? He's out there hitting it again. There ain't no slow down in the man. Well, you got to be that with faith. You just got to, you know, a, a, a person who doesn't know the Lord, not not to be uh, out operating anybody who has, has faith. You should just be just as hungry, just as excited about the word of God as some guy who's excited about football. Who's got a, who's got, what do you call them teams? They, they don't even, what do you call those teams where they, they choose their teams and they choose their athletes and, and then they try to choose fantasy football. They're so into their fantasy football. You, you got to be more interested in, in, than, in God than fantasy football. You, you, live, you serve something better than a fantasy. It's better than a fantasy because faith actually works. And if it ain't working, you ain't working it right. So tonight, what are we doing tonight? We're, we're getting you the position where your faith can work. And if, you, and if you apply yourself to doing the word, your faith will work. I'm telling you right now. Well, I've only, I haven't been a Christian that long. Or I'm not even a Christian yet. Your faith will work. It will work if you put it to work. But you've got to be willing to put your faith to work. You know, when you hear stuff like that for the first time, well, how do I begin to use my faith? Well, the scripture talks to you right here very plainly how to get your faith working. It says, whatever you say unto this mountain. So what are you saying about your situation? What are you talking about? Are you talking about, oh, it's just too hard. It'll never change. It's just so hard. You sort of like how when you join the gym. Oh, it's so hard. I don't think I can do this workout. It's just so hard. Well, the more you do it, the harder it gets. You ever just notice the more you complain about something? You know, it could be something menial. I just don't want to do it. I'm so tired. You're just so tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I think it's flu season. And it ain't even flu season. I mean, you're, you're complaining about all these things that haven't even happened in your body yet. And then when you get older, they start happening in your body. Because I don't know why that God let this happen to me. Do you see the problem there? You're, 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 you're prophesying over your life the issues, the problems, the resistance. You're, 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 you're I don't know if that's ever going to happen. No, what we ought to be doing is, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I, I'm just agreeing with what the word says from now on. 
my body, my eyes may not initially see it that way. But the more I, I, the more I speak on this mountain, the more I say on this mountain, the more I, I contribute to the life of my life, the more things will begin to turn. Did you know that anytime you, you steer a large vessel, that it has a little bit on the back of it and that it controls the very direction of that ship? You know, a little rudder on the back controls the direction of a, of a, big, air, a, a big shipping vessel. Those big giant ships, they've got stacks. You've got two massive, but it's got one little, couple little rudders. It's just really, de, de, and then anytime they just a slight shift, that it takes them a while just to turn because if they just can't do suddenly turn, your life has been going in the wrong direction for so long that you, you need to start making minor changes. You don't have to make major changes. You just have to start making minor changes. Change the way you talk about life. Stop talking about the way how things you, you've got, you joke about how you've got, uh, Less, you've got more, you've got less money than you have a month or, or whatever, however they used to say it. You got to stop jo- joking about your money. You got to stop joking about your body. Stop, j- yeah. stop joking about being depressed. Well, you know, I'm always down. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. You know, or just, just joking in a negative way or, or slandering your own character of what type of person you are. Start, 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 start saying, I'm a person of good character. I'm always on time. You know, I'm a great worker. Well, that's not true. Well, you need to start saying those things and start responding in that way. Because your life, the more you speak positive about your life, the more the, the direction that your life will go. Well, how do you know? Well, we just know because we just read that in the Bible. We just read that in the scriptures. We also know that in James, when James talks about your tongue, it says that it, will, it is a rudder that directs the very direction of your life. Your tongue will direct your life. If your life is going in the wrong direction, yes. well, I don't know why I'm da- I always date a bunch of losers. Well, part of the problem is, again, it's under your nose. Yes. You keep talking about dating losers. Uh-huh. I don't know why I always get these cruddy jobs, because you keep talking about the cruddy jobs. Yes. And plus, your outlook on everything is so negative, even if something was good, you wouldn't be able to recognize it because you're, you, have, you have allowed yourself to have a poor, negative self-image, and you reflect it on everything else. So even if something good happens in the workplace, you couldn't even see it because you're just, you'd beat it up. Well, you know, that just only happened to them because they're, they play favorites in the administration. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's because there's always a neg- there's always something, even if something positive, you're, you've got something negative to say about it. When really we need to change the way we speak about things. Say, so you know what? God's going to show them. He's going to show me. And I'm going to learn how to live this life in a way that is pleasing unto God and watch my life and watch your life turn around. Watch your life turn around. You know, I've even had to catch myself sometimes, you know, I mean, you woke pastor, you know, you're, you don't have to seem like you have those problems. Believe me. I have the same tape, same temptations as you to say, to come in agreement with the devil and what he's doing. I mean, I just have this much temptation. Sometimes I've lost my victory in that area, but I said, you know what, Lord, please forgive me. I repent. I'm quick to repent. I'm quick to believe. Come on. I'm quick to forgive. Right? What are we doing? We're learning to let go some things. We're letting go of how we're letting go of our, our own self-image or our, our poor outlooks and, and, and looking at the way we talk about these things. Because if you have a negative outbend on you and you always see things and you're always trying to out things in such a negative way, you won't go very far. Because you will always ha- you'll have a reputation of being negative. Yeah. 
Even if you're really good at what you do and you're just negative in the way you talk, it is the likelihood of you being promoted or people even wanting to promote you is very low because you just simply have a negative talk, a, a negative bend on you. And, and God wants to deliver you from that negative bend. He does. He really wants to deliver you out of, out of a negative self-image. That's why he tells you to see yourself in Christ. He didn't tell you to see you as you. He says, see yourself in Christ. See, when you see yourself in Christ, then you can start speaking good things about yourself. You're the head and you're not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're the blessed. You are no longer the cursed. So when you're talking negative, all you're doing is cursing your own life. Negative about the uh, the job outlooks. Well, you know, there's no jobs in Porterville. There ain't no jobs in Lindsay. There ain't no jobs anywhere. Look, wherever you are, the blessing is there. Wherever you are, the blessing is there. Say, wherever I'm at, the blessing is there. Come on, you, you got to start believing that wherever you're at, the blessing is there. I mean, you may be working for a, a company, but the blessing on that company is going to be there. The jobs, the contracts for that company are going to be there, not because of who, who, who owns it, because who's there. Yeah. And you being there allows the anointing of God to be present yeah. to cause that place to prosper. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So the company just got a big contract. Well, hello, the anointing on your life being you being there allows those funds to be made available to employ you to promote you and you ought to say i am looking for promotion everybody in the river church should be looking for promotion everybody in the river church should be looking for increase say increase say i'm looking for increase you, you and it may be hard for you to start saying that but you've got to force yourself sometimes to start saying these things well, I don't want to be. Greedy. This is not about you being greedy. This is about you coming in line with what the word says about speaking into that mountain. And see, there is a demonic oppression that would try to keep you from talking, that would try to keep you from prophesying, that would try to keep you from being what God sees you. It is not for it is not alien. The devil works in such a way to break you down, to even get you barely even talk to the mountain. To get you so discouraged, to get you to thinking, oh, this would never work for me. Oh, you know, I, I don't know if I could even participate in that. I'm here today to tell you today, God has called his children. God has called his people to rise up, to live at a, at a higher way of living, to live the lower way of living. See, that's why the children of Israel couldn't get in the promised land, because they had such a poor, negative self-image. Well, we don't belong in the problem. Let's just take us back. Just take us back to being slaves. We were, well, at least we were fed. At least we had leaks. But see, it required. The leaving of the old required the changing of the way they spoke about themselves. It required them to leave the old way of thinking. It required them not to see themselves as grasshoppers anymore. It required them to say, I'm not a grasshopper anymore. I'm an eagle. He called you to be an overcomer. Come on. It's not a sad situation. It's not depressing. Oh, you mean I got to be an overcomer? Yeah. 
You're called to be an overcomer. Well, I don't know if we can fight them varmints over there. Well, God called you to be able to fight the varmints. God called you to fight over situations. I'm not talking about fighting over people. I'm talking about standing up to the devil that would try to intimidate you from what he's called you to walk out. He's called you to walk in dominion. In other words, quit walking around with your lip hanging down. Walk with your shoulders up. Have some pride about what God made. He made you. And if he made you, he made a winner. Well, I don't feel like a winner. Well, you need to start treating yourself. Start talking like a winner. Amen? He's a good God. He's a real good God. And even when things get tough, God is good. Even when Noah was, was over in the book of Noah, and here's Noah, he's, he's, God picks him out of, a, of, a, of, a, out of many people that were, that were destined to die, and God pulls one person out. God will, God will go over all, will go, he's looking for someone who's just willing to fo- uh, cooperate. He's looking for the one. Who's going to be the one that says, I'm t- I'm just tired of living the way I'm living. Who, I just want a change in my life. I'm sick and tired of being broke. I'm sick and tired of the flow and direction of my life. You've just got to get tired of it. And you know how you're tired of something? You know how you're tired? You start making changes. You start showing up to the gym. You start showing up to the job. You start showing up to church. You, you, you're, just, you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're just saying, you know what? I'm done living this way. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm going to start making changes. I'm going to start being positive in the way I talk. I'm going to start doing Mark 11, Mark 11, and I'm going to see my life change. Say, I want to see my life change. Come on. If you're serious about wanting to see your life change, you're going to start talking different about yourself. The devil says, well, you're stupid. Well, you're stupid. Who, who's the one that left? Who's the one that fell out of heaven like a bolt of lightning? You tell me who's the stupid one. You gotta, if he's going to remind you of how stupid you are, you remind him of how stupid he was when he got thrown out of heaven. Talk about the greatest blunder of all. He made more worse mistakes than you will ever make in your entire life. And he makes them every day. And he tries to get everybody to join in his mistake party. Not you. Not you. You don't belong in that party anymore. You don't belong in that party that's just sad, sad and down. You don't belong with the emos. Things are so bad. Things are so hard. No, they're not. No, they're not. You're called to be a winner. You're, 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 you're destined for God's goodness. You have Deuteronomy 28. You have the blessing on your life. All we're doing is just claiming what God has already done for us. We're not taking it something that didn't belong to you. You're taking what already belongs to you. You're just taking what already belongs to you. Say, I'm taking what already belongs to me. It's mine. I have it by divine purpose. Pastor Melina, come on up here. She, we're supposed to tag team. I wasn't a very good tag teamer today. Okay, I, got, I have something to go with that anyway. Open your Bibles to, we're st- we still have a few minutes, to uh, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. That was a good word. This is going to go along with that. Um, as Pastor was talking about the words of your mouth, how important they are. The Bible says that um, life and death are in the power of the tongue. We know that. But a lot of times you, we're not speaking because we don't see 
our lives as God sees it. We don't see our finances as God sees them. We don't see our body as God sees it. And right here in Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We need to get a vision for our lives. That's not just complacent and mundane and, you know, well, I have my house, my kids. And I mean, that's good if that's all you want. But you can have so much more if you get a vision for your life. Like where you have accounts all over the place. You have your own investment portfolios. Maybe you have your own business. Maybe you, you know... I don't know what the vision is for your life, but we need to have a vision for our life because if we don't, then we're not going to walk out the plan that God has because he's, he has a vision for our lives. I was reading today a story of, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Paul Young Cho. He had the biggest church in Korea. Um, I, I don't know if he still has the biggest church in the world, but it was the biggest church in the world where they had, a, I want to say, was it a million they had a million people in their church in Korea. A million. This was before there were mega churches. Um, and uh, a woman came into his uh, office and said, Pastor, Pastor, my home is falling apart. Um, I don't know what to do. And, and he said, well, sit down, tell me. And he said, my daughter, I have two sons, and my daughter is, um, my daughter is sleeping around with my husband's friends. Um, she's going around, you know, place to place. Her brothers are embarrassed and ashamed. Um, we don't know what to do. And he said to her, well, we're going to pray, but before we do, how do you see her basically? And, you know, basically she saw her daughter as a prostitute. See, she had a vision and it was the wrong vision because she was sleeping around. So obviously, that's how she saw her daughter. But see, when you look through the eyes of faith and what God's word says, then your whole vision can change. And so this had been going on for a period of time. He said, I'm going to pray. But basically, this book, it's talking about the fourth dimension. You know, if you heard Bill Winston, he talked about, but there's 4D. You know, there's, there's time, there's space, there's matter. We've got the three-dimensional realm here that this whole world operates by. But we have one other realm. You know what that is? It's things by the Spirit. It's things taking place by the Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, will give you a vision for your life. And when you get the vision for your life, then you can start decreeing things and they'll happen. And so when, when he, before he prayed with her, he said, I want you to get, basically I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I want you to get a different vision for your, your daughter. I want you to see her differently. I want you to see her how God sees her. I want you to see her through the, she's like, I can't, I can't, I can't, because I can't see. He's like, I want you to see her through the blood of Jesus. See her standing in front of the cross. See the blood of Jesus and what it's done for her. And she started, I can't remember if she started crying or laughing, but she goes, I see it. She said, I see it. And she saw her through the blood of Jesus completely changed. Well, a few months later, and she rejoiced as she left. No longer sad because she had a vision for her life. She saw her daughter different. See, you can see your finances different. You can see your, your relationships different. You can see your city different. 
Wherever you live, we live in, if you live in Strathmore, you're in Porterville, you're in Lindsay. Listen, God puts you there. The blessing of the Lord is on you, even in your own neighborhoods, to create the Garden of Eden, the kingdom of God's within you. You're bringing it wherever you go. We ought to see a manifestation of it around us. Pastor Marcus and I will drive through Porterville sometimes and we're like, Shandala. And we're like, we know why God put us here. It's to bring the blessing of the Lord. It's so the blessing of the Lord would be in this place. No more poverty, no more lack, but people have to get a vision for their lives. Well, a few months later, this lady comes knocking on Pastor Cho's door and she has a young woman with her. And she said, hi, Pastor. And he's like, hello, who's this? And she said, he, she said this is my daughter. One day, she was sleeping with some guy, and she woke up in the morning, and she felt yucky. She felt convicted. She was like, she just woke up. I just can't live like this anymore. I just can't live like this. And she thought, I'm going to go to my mom and dad's house. I don't know if they're going to receive me. I don't know if my brothers are going to receive me, but I'm just going to go. This is my last chance. And she went. I love this story. This is the story of redemption. This is what God the Father does for us. And this mom showed it. She went and knocked on her mom's door in the morning. The mom opened the door. And the, the mom said, welcome, and gave her a big hug. And that girl fell into her mom's arms crying. She got born again, rededicated her life to the Lord, became hot, burning on fire for God, got married, had children. She was a, a leader, uh, one of the Bible study leaders in their church and became an evangelist. But see, the mom had to get a different vision. And there's things in our life we need to get a different vision for. And the way you do that is through your word. It's taking God's scriptures, whatever that is, if it has to do with your finances, if it has to do with your business. You know, the Bible says he'll increase you more and more, you and your children. So you have to start getting a vision for your life. I see myself increasing. I see my family. In I see my finances increasing. What does that look like? Like, seriously, he told the mom, sit down. I want you to imagine what that looks like right now with your daughter. We need to take the time to sit down Take God's word, meditate on it. That scripture that says, uh, I'll increase you more and more. Okay, what does that look like in my life, Lord? That's called meditation. You're taking that scripture. What does that look like if I'm increasing? What does my life look like? What does my house look like? What does my marriage look like if I'm increasing? What, is my, what, do, um, what does my job look like? And we have to get a vision. We have to take the time to see ourselves as God sees us. Because you can take the scriptures and read them and lay them down. But if you're not taking them to put them inside you, to change your perspective, that's what the word is for, to change our vision, to change the perspective of our life. Okay, you want to get married? Here's another story. I'm not married yet. I want a husband. So there was this girl, she was in her 30s, and um, again, went to Paul Young Cho's church. He was a great man of God. He, recently, he died a few years back, but great man of God. And so uh, she was in her 30s, and she's like, I just want to get married, but I just can't find the right one. Okay, they have like a million people church, I don't know, but anyway. So, um, and so he said, okay, we're going to order you a husband. And she's like, what? We're going to order you a husband. I want you 
to get a piece of paper. She got a piece of paper. And he said, what do you want him to look like? What do you want him to be, white, Caucasian, or black? She said something. This is back in the... She's like, Caucasian. So she, he, so she wrote it down. I want a Caucasian. Um, what do you want his profession to be? I want him to be a teacher. Okay. Uh, do you want him to have any hobbies? Yeah, I want him to uh, like music. She wrote down music. And there were some other things. Well, she got... Why, why did he have her write it down? She needs to have a vision for her life, a vision of what she wants her husband to be. Not just, if you're general, you're going to get nothing. You're just going to get general answers. So I want you to be, think about what specifically do you need changed in your life? Get specific about it. Write it down. Do you want your finances to look different? What do you want? You want a couple of bank accounts? You want a savings account? You want to, I know one minister, this is my goal in life. He has a tithing an offering account. He keeps extra money in there, so when he wants to give, he can pull it right out of that account. Just for giving to the Lord. I mean, this is bigger thinking than just I have a checking account and a savings account. So this woman, they had a big uh, concert in their church, and um, the guy that was leading the concert was there, and all the young girls... The ones in their 20s, they were just like fawning over him. But he had no interest in any of them. His eyes were on this one 30-year-old. And she, I guess, finally kind of gave in. Anyway, the, to make a long story short, he was a musician. He was a teacher. He had come. He was a Christian. I mean, everything. And he was some white guy, I guess, because she got everything on her list. But she got specific. She got specific so she could have a vision. That's why he had her write that down. So once you get your vision for your life, like Pastor Marcus was talking about, declaring, speaking to that mountain, then you can start speaking it out. But you can't speak it out if you don't know what you want. So you have to know, what do you want in life? What does God have for you? What do you see in the scriptures? Does it have to do with your body? What do you see? I see myself healed and whole. I see that sickness trying to get on my body. I see it on the cross. I see it on Jesus. He took that for me. He took, he took uh, cancer on his body. I see him on the cross with cancer. I mean, really, you need to start seeing. If the, I see Jesus on the cross with that sore knee. I see G, he took it for me. So he took it away from me. He took sickness away. See, you have to get a, we have to get a vision. We have to see what God sees. Because when God looks at us, he doesn't see us sick. He sees us healed. When God looks at us, he doesn't see us uh, poor. He sees us rich. He sees us rich in every arena. He doesn't see lack. He doesn't see us lacking in anything. You know? So as pastor was ministering, that just came to me. Don't forget to have a vision for your life for your family, if you're standing for your kids, uh, for your business, whatever it is, what's your vision? Well, you know, it's up here, Pastor. Well, you need to get it in front of you. There was one minute, there was one, one story of a young man. I can't remember what happened to him. It was the one that played tennis. Uh, but he was in the hospital and he was dying. And so he told his parents, and I think he was really thin, if I remember correctly. And he told his parents, go get me a picture of what I looked like when I was healthy. And they took a big picture of a poster and they put it. He couldn't get out of his bed. I think he was all kind of, if I remember correctly, kind of all. And they put it right in front of his face 
So every time he, he was awake, he could see this is what I used to look like. This is the body that I had before the sickness came on me. And he started confess. He started, I think he had scriptures, confessions. I don't remember everything, but he had a vision. He got a picture of this is what I look like. This is who what I'm supposed to be. This is the vision I have for my life. So you can have things in your head, but you need to get it. The Bible says, write the vision down and make it plain. Write down what you want. Get pictures of what you want. Put it in front. I remember Brother Copeland's kids. They wanted a boat one year. They told their dad, we want a fishing boat. They were like eight and nine. He said, okay, well, you guys believe God for a fishing boat. So they, they found a picture of a fishing boat. I think it was one that they could go skiing on too, if I remember correctly. They cut it out, and they put it on the refrigerator. And every time they walked by, they'd say, thank you, Jesus, for our boat. They were eight. I think they were like eight and nine. Thank you, Jesus, for our boat. Thank you, Jesus, for our boat. I think he ended up getting a call. He ended up getting three boats. One was for fishing, one was for skiing, and one was for something else. But what, what were they doing? They got a vision for their life. They started to see what was in their heart. See, God get, puts things in your heart, not just to stay in your heart, but so that you can uh, call for it, call for it from the spirit realm. You call for it. And one thing Pastor talked about is complaining. When you complain, when we complain, there is no faith. There is no faith in complaining. So if there's any area, uh, we'll close with this scripture. Let's turn to uh, Philippians chapter 2. And this is what we're going to close with. Um, we should be thanking God for what we have. Getting the vision for our lives. Writing it down. Printing out the pictures. Talking about it. Talking about it. Not like, oh man, I wish I could go on vacation. I never get to go on vacation. I want to go. No, you know what? I thank you, Father. I have more than enough to go on vacation. I'm going to be specific. I'm going to write down where I want to go. How long I want to stay. What we're going to do there. You know, instead of complaining about it. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It says, do all things. Say, do all things. Without grumbling, fault finding, and complaining. That you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated. When we complain, when we grumble, when we fault find, it stops our faith from working. Praise the Lord. And we don't want to be that. We don't want to do that. Instead of grumbling, fault finding, complaining. You know, I read something today. It said, how many of you went through your day and you didn't complain once or you never heard somebody complain. It's highly unlikely you went through your day unless you were around nobody and talked to no one. It's highly unlikely you went throughout your day without hearing a complaint or complaining. You know, the baked potato's too hard, the line's too long, uh, the traffic was horrible. Complaining. Complaining, complaining, complaining. And the Israelites complained and they stayed they were supposed to get to their promised land. See, the vision God's put in your life, that's part of your promised land. That's part of the plan of God for your life, that, that vision he's put in your heart. And if you complain and you're fault-finding, instead of being thankful, then you'll, just like the Israelites, they stayed in that wilderness. They stayed in that wilderness. And guess what? The complaining generation never went in. They had to die there. And their complaints it killed their faith. It killed 
their, their vision. It killed their vision. And it, it, it invited unbelief. And it opened the door to the enemy. Amen. So we're going to speak to the mountain. Amen. We're going to use our words. We're going to get a vision for our life. I mean, you already have a vision for your life. It's, on your, it's in your heart right now what you want. What you want for yourself, your family, your body. I mean, it could be you could have a vision. I'm, I'm a, I know one girl, she had a vision. She wanted to be a bodybuilder. Mike, you go, girl. You go do that. And she did amazing, but she had a vision for her life. Amen. Whatever your vision is, whatever God puts on the inside of your heart, to own your own business, Anthony, right? So you're going you're gonna to get that vision, write it out, write it out, because it'll keep you focused. It'll keep that thing. When you write it out and you, you put pictures of it and you start to see yourself. Oh, I see myself with a long line of people coming to get their hair cut by me. Oh, I see them coming from all over. Oh, I see myself. Oh, I'm going to have to have my own shop one day. Oh, yeah. Then I'll, oh, I'm going to have to hire some more barbers. I mean, your vision will start to grow. Do you want me to tell you what my vision is for this church? I told Pastor Marcus, this building is not our stopping place, but while we have it, I'm thankful. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm grateful. And you know what? I told him, I see this church every Sunday morning filled with so many adults that faith kids has to go to their own class. They can't even come in here because there's not enough room. And I'm declaring it and I'm decreeing it. You have to do that for your life. That mountain will move whatever it is if you'll speak to it. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Father, we worship you tonight. We thank you, Father. Let's just thank him before we leave. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father. Your mercies are new every day. We thank you, Father. Oh, you've blessed us with so much. We're so grateful, so grateful for all that you've done. There is none like you, Father. Oh, you're so big. You're so great. We thank you, Father, for your power that's working in our lives. Yes, for those angels that are all around about us. They keep us. They keep us in all our ways. We thank you for those angels that are working on our behalf. They're going forward causing the finances to come bringing in the people the mighty men of God we thank you father for for what you have for this church we have a vision we see ourselves with our own campus we see ourselves with our own classrooms our own school and preschool we see it we declare it we thank you for oh and we see those families coming in we thank you father uh, saved spirit filled their children on fire for God we see see it. We thank you, Father, for it, for that vision. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. This church is a blessing to the community. Yes, blessed to be a blessing and that we are blessed to be a blessing. We thank you, Father. Oh, you're so good. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We praise you. We glorify you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. He is so faithful. He's so faithful. And we ought to expect to see miracles. Blind eyes open. Pastor Marcus said, uh, people getting new organs, new body parts. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Miracles. Financial miracles. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Does anybody need prayer tonight for anything before we go? For healing or for anything else? 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody need prayer? Just before we go, want to offer that? Anybody? We all good?